Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hello and welcome to Constructive Voices. I'm Steve Randall. Concrete is everywhere and that's unlikely to change anytime soon. But environmental concerns about its key component, cement, is driving change within the industry with alternatives offering a far lower carbon footprint. Jackie DeBurka has been finding out more about one of the emerging solutions. I'm Tony Sheridan. I'm the uh, commercial director at DB Group, um, which is the parent company of, of Semfree. Um, I've been working here for about five years now. Originally, I trained as a structural engineer at UCD um, in Dublin and uh, worked as an engineer in Dublin for nearly 10 years and then did an MBA over there and then came over to London. Um, and I've been in London for just over 11, 11-ish years now, time flies. And in London, I worked in the building material sector, used the MBA and the engineering uh, to get into the building material sector, worked for a company called Hansen, Heidelberg Materials now, one of the majors in the cement and concrete space over here. And I worked as in their major projects team for a few years and worked in some line management roles, uh, general manager and commercial manager roles, uh, and in, in total worked there for about seven years. Um, and then heard about Semfree and DB Group, jumped at the chance to work here about five years ago. Uh, and really the reason for that was the idea that Semfree being such an amazing uh, opportunity and material opportunity for, for concrete and for cement and for construction to decarbonize, just that the thought of being able to decarbonize all the concrete I've been specifying or producing or supplying for the last 15, 20 years was, was a huge thing for me to be able to try and get involved with. So I came here and have been working here ever since. Fantastic. So let's backtrack a little bit to before you arrived in, in Semfree, Tony. How was the product actually born? So, yeah, so the, so Semfree is the brainchild of a guy called David Ball, who is the DB of DB Group. Uh, okay. And he, about 10 years ago, came up with this idea to use alkali activation to activate a GGBS, which is a waste material in the construction industry, and to, to make essentially a, a binder, a powder binder, which could be used instead of cement to make concrete. And so that idea kind of got born about a decade ago. David then brought it into the DB Group company, and we've used the sort of one of the other companies in DB Group, Pudlo, which is a, a very, very successful waterproofing company, has essentially been the the, um, the 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 source of funds and expertise to grow Semfree from what it was as a an idea uh, into something that was actually saleable and ready for market, and then the past sort of five years really going to market and, and making it sort of at industrial scale and um, delivering carbon reductions at a, at a real noticeable level. Why, Tony, do you feel there is a need for alternative products like Semfree? What's the problem with concretes and cement? It's a huge issue really concrete is amazing concrete is an incredible material it's uh, durable it's versatile it's strong and it's an amazing material to build with and as an engineer i can tell you engineers love concrete current projections are that most society will be in an living in an urban environment by 2050 i think 70 percent of the world's population will be living in an urban environment in 2050 so that means a lot of concrete more and more concrete every year the problem with that is every ton of cement that's produced produces nearly a ton of co2 into the atmosphere that's a big problem um, in the UK, the number's a bit better. It's about 850 kgs per tonne, but it's still a big number and a big problem. So you've got this concrete, which is great, and being used more and more every year, and you've got this cement in it, which is a big problem, and it's needed in it because it's what makes concrete go hard and, and get strong. The cement industry is responsible for 8% of global CO2 emissions every year. So if it was a country, it'd be the third largest emitter in the world. Um, so it is a big global problem, and we can't just stop using concrete because then we won't have any roads or bridges or hospitals or schools or houses to live in. 
So, so you need concrete, but we need to find a way of having concrete without cement. That's where those are those are some very impressive stats, Tony. For the wrong reasons, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. government obviously, is, you know, we're talking about the UK now has set net zero targets for the construction industry. What does this mean for the industry, Tony? And how can they hit those targets? That's a big and complex question, really. The government has set targets, legally binding targets for 2030 and 2050, um, but hasn't really set the the roadmap for construction uh, to follow to hit those targets. It's kind of left industries to their own devices to see what they can do themselves, um, which in, in some ways is good because it leaves expertise where it probably is best placed, which is in the industry. But the problem is that that leaves everybody in the industry to go off and do their own thing. So you're left with a fairly dispersed set of ideas and a fairly dispersed set of activities that that can feel a little bit disjointed. Every sector of infrastructure or, or private sector, almost every company is doing doing things their own way. That lack of clarity and joined upness, if you will, is a problem. And, and the government could be doing more to help with that. If you look at, say, the states where you've got the Inflation Reduction Act, I think that's being widely hailed as something that's really positive and proactive in terms of delivering sustainability goals because it is a bit more of a roadmap and a bit more structured. And um, we could do something like that here. That said, that, I mean, that said, a lot of really good stuff is happening in the construction industry to try and get to net, net zero. Um, huge things are happening, which are very exciting. Um, and there is a lot of drive to try and join it up a lot more, um, but it's kind of from the ground up and it's not being led by government. So, yeah, you've touched on, on, on that, obviously, Tony. What is currently being done in the, in the concrete industry that you're aware of to help reduce the carbon impact? So if you take that kind of bottom-up approach, um, a lot of say in the a lot of infrastructure clients, for example, who are probably most folk more, most focused on the government targets because a lot of their funding is directly from government, um, are really driving hard to reduce carbon in everything. And being infrastructure clients, they tend to use a lot of concrete. A lot of concrete goes into infrastructure, and so they are focusing on it in their own ways to try and reduce carbon. And and some who are more, more advanced than others are starting to actually put products like SEM-free as a carbon reducing replacement to cement into their specifications and driving towards using SEM-free or products like SEM-free in a kind of a business as usual case, as opposed to doing demonstrations or one-off supply. So we're moving the needle forwards a bit, moving the dial to, to, towards a kind of a business as usual state to really drive carbon out. Um, so they're doing the work themselves to understand the materials, to get the designers on board, get the supply chain on board to be able to, to take carbon out by taking cement out, which is which is huge. That's kind of sort of sector by sector, client by client. Industry-wide, we're, we're actually directly involved in a group called the Low Carbon Concrete Group, which mm-hmm. is a very sort of very powerful movement, I think, really, in terms of what it's trying to achieve. Um, it's set up by the UK Green Construction Board and by the ICE, uh, the Institute of Civil Engineers. The idea is basically to, to run a whole bunch of parallel programs, work streams, taking a, a wide group, a diverse group of, of stakeholders and selecting them to, to run a, a whole parallel list of work programs to try and decarbonize concrete specifically, including the name the Low Carbon Concrete Group, I guess. The kind of the work streams are very wide reaching. They're everything from how do we reuse buildings more than we do now? How do we how do we use supplementary materials and recycled materials more than we do now to take the high carbon bits of concrete out? How do we design more efficiently so we don't over-design where we don't need to? How do we use alternative materials that are not, not yet in standards 
such as products like SEMFree, to take out cement entirely. And so there's lots and lots of parallel work streams um, and lots and lots of engagement across industry, across different stakeholder groups to try and make sure that those work streams are as effective as possible. One we're in, in, in directly involved with is actually specifically around uh, British standards and adoption of and allowing easier adoption, faster uptake of products like SEMFree to replace cement entirely and dramatically reduce carbon in concrete in that, in that instance. Um, so we're doing things like there's a, a thing called a Flex 350 standard that has just been written and is now out for public consultation at the moment. Um, and the Low Carbon Concrete Group were the people who were uh, sort of instrumental in getting it written. That is written, has been written by the British Standards, the BSI, um, and it's a mini standard which will allow performance-based specification. It won't matter whether it's cement or a different kind of binder that's being used to make concrete, which is very helpful for designers because then they can select things that aren't cement to make concrete and therefore reduce carbon. And that, that's just kind of a, a really big step forwards in terms of the concrete industry and its ability to use novel materials. So there's a lot of things going on. A lot of it's quite, a lot of a lot of parallel tracking of trying to get carbon reduction um, initiatives moving um, and trying to get them as widely adopted as possible. It's very exciting. It sounds, it sounds really fascinating. It's probably <laughs> by the sound of the complexity and the parallels, the parallels that are, are running there, it sounds like another podcast in itself, which <laughs> possibly is just something we could talk about. But going back to Semfree, Tony, how much embodied CO2 can it save? So we believe we're actually market leaders in terms of the amount of carbon we can take out of, of concrete and concrete products. Um, certainly the stats we've seen across the industry would, would suggest that. If you take our Optima product, we've got a number of products now. Um, if you take our original product, Semfree Optima, which is a, a powder, can come in a silo or it can come in a ton bag or come in a 25 kg bag, just like you'd see with normal cement. The carbon footprint per ton of Optima is 133 kgs per ton. Uh, as I said earlier, the carbon footprint of a uh, ton of cement in the UK, the industry-wide stated stat is about 850 kgs. So you're, you're talking about a, a kind of an 85% reduction in, in embodied CO2 yeah. uh, on a ton for ton comparison. It's significant. It, it's a large chunk of carbon can be taken out very quickly if you just take out the cement and put in SEM-free. I would say that there are others available. If this was the BBC, there'd be others. You know, the line, other, other cement replacements are available. There are. And a lot of them are very good. We just know we, we happen to be the best. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's, that's taking the, the powder as a direct comparison. Nobody actually builds using the powder. They build using concrete, don't they? So nobody really cares about the powder. They care about the concrete or the product that's made with it. Um, so if you talk about, say, our, our masonry mortar, for example, where we have used Semfree Optima and we have made our own masonry mortar with that. And that's a product that's available now. It's been available for barely, nearly a year. And it comes in bags. And it's just like normal masonry mortar. You put it in between blocks and you make walls. Very simple stuff. When you add up all the other carbon that's in, involved in putting a bag of masonry mortar together, the cost, the, the carbon cost of the packaging, the deliveries, the carbon cost of the, the sand and the other additives in, the, in, a, in a bag of mortar, we're using the same sand as a, as a, as a cement-based mortar and the same packaging as a cement-based mortar. Um, the, the, the carbon savings from having SEM-free in there instead of cement when you look at a bag of the mortar is, is 70%. So you can you can save 70% of your embodied carbon in a in a, in a wall by using SEM-free mortar instead of cement-based mortar. And actually in the same way by using a SEM-free block instead of using a cement block. Um, so if you're a designer or a, or a developer or a client and you've got a block wall to build or a house to build or a building with lots of blocks in it to build and you want an easy way of reducing your carbon, 
where you don't have to worry about design implications. You don't have to worry about retraining all your, your site staff to do a different thing, a different process on site, simply just switch out one for the other. You can do, you can have, a, you can achieve a 70% reduction in that wall or that building or the, that part of the building um, by going SEM free instead of OPC okay. based. That sounds like a very easy fix that you're offering there. What, what other solutions and technologies are available in the market now, Tony? There's a huge variety, really, in terms of what 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 is out there and what can be what can be done. As as a, an advocate for SEM free, um, I'm an advocate for the whole the whole gamut. I, I I think we should all be using all this stuff, not just SEM free, but anybody else who's trying to reduce carbon. We see ourselves as part of a of a very patchwork solution, a very very wide wide range of solutions that will solve the the carbon issue in concrete. Um, there's not a one size fits all approach here. So there's, there's lots of different things that are being done. So for example, people are injecting carbon into concrete. Um, so that there's companies out there who can inject carbon into concrete and in doing so, they reckon there's a 15%-ish reduction there. Um, there are people who are doing things like calcined clay, which is a very exciting development in the concrete industry, which um, is a, a good step forwards from cement. It's still a linear process. You're still digging something out of the ground and burning it at a high temperature. And there's still a fair chunk of carbon involved in all that, but it's a notably different notable reduction versus opc uh, cement there are other things like doing more blending of different uh, waste streams and different materials to to basically um to replace some of the cement in concrete mixes uh, so ternary blends is what they're called so putting three things into a blend as opposed to two which is what's done normally now but there's also things like uh, carbon capture as well which is a, a, f- a future development which could be a huge part of the solution if it if it gets uh, developed properly and is able to be used properly by the cement industry. Um, and then there's things like us, which are, we're part of a group of uh, products called Acolyte Activated Cementitious Materials, AACMs, um, or geopolymers, some people refer to us as. Um, and there's a number of us in the market um, at different stages of development, to be fair. Some of our, our kind of our competitors, that I suppose, are at an earlier stage in their development than we are. Um, some others are roughly where we are in terms of having good experience in the market and having something that's been used fairly widely. And yeah, I think I think what what where I like where, where I see it is it's a bit like a parallel to the to the power generation industry in the UK where um you used to have one way of doing things very centralized. You used to have the um the you know the the, the UK wide power company um which burned coal to deliver deliver electricity to everybody's home um and a very centralized approach with one way of doing it. And now if you look at power generation in the UK it's very dispersed. It's very um, multifaceted and you have people even selling power back to the grid themselves and you can see a similar path for cement where currently it's an oligopoly it's run by um, a handful of companies I think five or six in the UK have across nine cement plants making cement so doing one thing and selling it out nationally um, whereas I think in future we can see a very very wide diverse way of making binders um, for concrete as opposed to cement. That's a great comparison, Tony, to to the power situation, obviously, in the UK. Very good comparison indeed. Now, going back to the various technologies that you've just described, how do you feel the industry is adapting to them at the moment? It's a, it's a mixed picture. There are a lot of pioneering companies that we've had the pleasure of working with, and I'm sure some of the, our competitors have as well, who are really trying to drive forwards as fast as possible. And there are some others who are um, just a bit more um, cautious about moving forwards or, or cautious about doing something new because they see risk as opposed to opportunity, which is understandable. But I'd say that if you were to take a, a broad brush, it's, I'd say that a lot of the um, 
a lot of companies, again, if we go back to infrastructure clients, for example, who are more directly affected by or directly interested in the government targets, given being that they're usually government funded, are really driving hard to try and reduce their carbon and are looking looking for solutions and therefore working harder to try and do things like use SEMFree or other AACMs in their concrete. I've been doing this for five years now and I've seen a, a, a kind of a, a step change in terms of five years ago, we might have been knocking on a lot of doors and getting some slightly indifferent answers to the last couple of years where um, the desire for this change in, in the carbon content of concrete and the carbon content of construction is really ramping up. And now people are knocking on our door saying, what can you do for us, please? We need help. And people are in infrastructure are saying, we need to do this as business as usual, as quickly as possible. How can you help us do that? Or how, how do we do that? Can you, can you help us on that journey? It, it's rapidly gaining a lot of, a lot of traction. Um, so it's an interesting time. I think there are complications and there are roadblocks um, and we're trying to overcome them. The standards thing I mentioned um, about Flex 350 um, that's us trying to overcome a roadblock, which is the British standards for, for structural concrete, where they are prescriptive and therefore it's harder to design without cement, that they prescribe it an, an amount of cement in concrete to be in the standard. And that's harder to get around. Um, but, but you can work through it. And as I said, some of these more enlightened companies or innovative companies um, are finding ways of working around that and have found very successful ways of working around that by designing by first principles and getting comfortable with the material and doing the testing to allow them to then specify it in their in their specifications in an ongoing way. One of the things that occurs to me, Tony, you know, with the product itself, the product range itself, is there quite a lot of R&D still going on at Semfree? How, how does that side of things work? So so we, are, our business really is primarily selling, selling the binder, selling the cement replacement. And we are doing a lot of work and have been doing a lot of work with a lot of companies who make concrete products and developing their products to be able to be SEM-free versions of their products. So block manufacturers, brick manufacturers, precast paving manufacturers, mortar manufacturers, bulk mortar manufacturers, all, all these kind of very large companies, actually, in, in some instances, um, very keen to be able to supply the cement-free cement version of what they do. Uh, but, you know, there's a journey there in terms of developing the SEM-free version of that and doing all the testing on those products to make sure they're fit for purpose and then launching the product into the market. And in some instances, that's a multi-year development program. A lot of our work in the technology team is in, in supporting that uh, product development work, so the D and the R&D, I suppose. And that's really exciting, actually, because because going back to that block wall example, if you've got a block now from a block manufacturer, which is SEM-free and has a circa 70% carbon reduction, you've got a mortar from either us or from a, a bulk mortar supplier, which has a similar um, carbon reduction, all of a sudden, you've got very simple ways of, of just changing what just changing out one block, one standard block with another standard block, but you've taken 70% of your carbon out of your wall. So it's quite powerful, actually. A lot of these products have performance-based standards already, so they are actually easier to adopt widely. They haven't got that barrier that structural concrete has with the British standards and the reason for the Flex 3, 350 in that instance. So there's, there's, a, there's a huge opportunity to for designers and clients and house builders, for example, in the block instance to to make big switches and big carbon savings immediately now without having to worry about changing designs changing ways of working changing manufacturing processes it's all there already now so that's the development stuff in terms of the research stuff a lot a lot, a lot ongoing on that as well actually um we've originally had a, a one product which is a powder we call it optima 
Um, and more recently, we developed two new products which have sort of like slightly different characteristics, faster strength gain, higher strength gain, that kind of stuff. Uh, one's a liquid and one's a powder. And that's come directly from the research we've been doing over the past couple of years, few years. Um, and that research is ongoing into new versions of our product, which have better strength characteristics again, uh, perhaps better setting times, um, better, um, uh, yeah, some, some, some different characteristics for different niches in the market as, as we see them, as we develop our relationships with different manufacturers. But also um, what we're really pushing into is developing newer, uh, developing ways of activating different waste streams as well, and really opening up into lots and lots of other potential pure wastes from lots of different industries that can be activated using different chemicals and become different versions of SEM-free binder. Um, and that is a real, that's the, that's the future really of the industry, I think, is being able to take wastes from multiple sources to understand the chemical compositions and the mechanical compositions of those of those materials and to have the ability and the wherewithal to be able to activate them to make um, cement replacements. And that, that brings us to kind of taking materials from all around the world, depending on where the contract or the, the, the construction is happening and activating local materials with local chemicals and delivering really, really ultra low carbon binders for, for local environments. That's super exciting, obviously. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, SEMFRI obviously has been used by, I hope I'm going to pronounce this name correctly, Arslef. Yeah, Arslef, yeah. 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 Correct? yeah, yeah. Um, in the world's first trial, driving cement-free ultra-low carbon precast files. Now, how, how has that gone so far, Tony? We've done a lot of work in piling in general at SEMFRI over the years, uh, not in precast piles, but in other kinds of piles. So just in more, more, more widely used piles, uh, in uh, female piles, bearing piles, We've been in um, permanent structures and in temporary structures for dozens of projects, really, and some really high, high, high-profile ones too. We were um, did some piling for for HS2 and stuff, and they were female piles. So yeah, so we've done a lot of piling and understand some of the um, the aspects of the piling. Well, we understand the piling market really, I suppose, quite well. The 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 reason why we were doing this project was we, we were doing. Um, an Innovate UK funded, uh, grant funded uh, project to demonstrate how good SEM-free is in um, aggressive grounds and aggressive, aggressive environments. Because we had seen from our piling work and our research in our, research in our lab that SEM-free concretes are better in aggressive ground than cement-based concretes. And that could be another advantage in using something like SEM-free instead of using cement. We took on this project with Innovate UK and other partners to demonstrate that and take data to prove it in a, in a very clear way. So we used one of our newer versions of SEMFree, SEMFree Rapid, which had a faster and higher strength gain than our original SEMFree. And uh, we used that to make some precast piles with Arslav and to drive them into the ground and then take data from uh, those piles in the ground to, to confirm what we already know, which is that the SEMFree piles perform better in those aggressive ground, in those aggressive environments and those aggressive soils. So the, the piles were driven, were produced and driven in 2022. And uh, that was great because we were able to show that a precast manufacturer who usually want very, very fast curing times and very fast turnaround times for their molds to be efficient in their factories, they could use something like SEMFree instead of cement and still have all the the same operational metrics that they would have normally and, and no need to be to disrupt what they do in their normal practices. And then they made they made the piles and then they could also take the piles to site 
and they could drive them. And that, that basically means sticking the big column um, up, in, up in the air and whacking it with a massive hammer and driving it into the ground, which is a fairly um, disruptive thing to do with a concrete structure. Lo and behold, the SEM-free concrete performed just as well as an OPC-based concrete, a cement-based concrete, that in that you could drive it into the ground with no problems. So really great on that regard that we, we without having redone really it before, did it with our SEM-free rapid and it worked really well. The data we have to, to date um, on the, on the um, durability aspect of it are, are proving what we know already in that the, the early data is showing that the SEM-free piles perform better than OPC-based piles. That data is going to be gathered for the next five years, I think, well, four years now, I guess, to, to get a longitudinal study going in terms of showing that over five years, you'll see the same kind of results as you've seen already. So yeah, really excited, actually. It's really good. That is very exciting now. So yeah, I was just going to ask you about durability, obviously, mm. you know, because it's alkali activated, but the studies are ongoing, the initial results are positive, and that's that's basically what you're saying, Tony, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, our we have a lot of data already, um, and we've got a lab data and a lot of data of, 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 of having SEM-free in use for the past number of years, and particularly with our original product, and which shows that SEM-free is, is, outperforms uh, cement-based uh, concrete uh, in a number of environments. That's not that surprising. If you look at how, how SEM-free is made, if you look at the chemistry of it, it makes a lot of sense. So it's the kind of the, the, um, the desk-based study would tell you that's the case. Our lab-based stuff tells you that's the case, and then we look at it in in real-life applications, proving that it's the case. And we've got data dating back for nearly a decade when we were doing initial trial work and initial mixes line work to, to show that. Yeah, and so things like, for example, if you take in the in in agriculture or even in in sort of uh, wastewater treatment, I suppose, where you've got um, acidic sort of acids, weak acids uh, acting against, say. Uh, a slab in a in a in a, in a yard in a, on a farm where it's slurry or it's uh, something like that that's acting on the on the on the on the concrete. If you use a normal cement-based concrete, what you tend to find in the industry is that the concrete gets over-designed. You end up you end up seeing designs for like a 50 newton concrete on a, on a yard, which doesn't need to be anything like that for structural reasons. What they're doing there is they're putting in more cement because they know the cement is not going to react very well with the with the um the acids that are being um, that's being exposed to and it will deteriorate quite quickly. So by beefing it up, they make it last longer. But actually with SEM-free, you don't need to do that. The, the, the material itself inherently performs a lot better versus those kinds of acids um, and those aggressive environments. And um, therefore you don't need to over-design it in the first place. You can design it for what it structurally needs to do, which is actually quite weak, but it will maintain itself over time uh, in terms of um, how it interacts with those acids. So you can actually design more efficiently in, in these cases by using SEM-free or an AACM instead of using OPC. So A, you get the benefit of not having the carbon in there, and B, you get the benefit of not having to over-design in the first place. Fantastic. So I have a, a headline here that I picked out during my research. Cement-free concrete puts network rail on track for carbon savings. This was published in the Institute of Civil Engineers, Tony. Can you elaborate on this? So again, Network Rail being one of these infrastructure clients who, who are clearly have got their eyes on, on carbon and carbon and concrete. They're not the only ones. A lot of infrastructure clients are, are, are really focused on it. Um, but it, that's, this is a really good example. Um, so we, uh, Bam Nuttall were the, um, were the construction company and we were talking to Bam Nuttall about, about, about this because Bam Nuttall wanted to show, that their, show the clients, Network Rail, that they could do this. Um, and, and we worked with them on, on getting a mix design and we worked with them on, on, on proving to 
Network Rail and, and themselves that SEM free was fit for the application. So everybody was happy that it could work. And then we went and supplied. And it was a 300 meter cube of concrete and one continuous pour over about 10 hours. Wow. Um, and it all went really well. Mm. Everyone was very happy afterwards. It, so it was a low, it was a low grade application. It wasn't a particularly strong concrete that was being needed. In fact, it was just filling a void, I think, really. Um, but it was necessary for the void to be filled. It, so because it was a low grade concrete, it was a low cement content, a low binder content. I think the we we saved about 60 tons of carbon on that one project. I mean, 300 meters cubed in one pour is is is, is a good big single pour. But in terms of the scale of the concrete industry, it's a drop in the ocean. But we still managed to save 60 tons. What strikes me about it, or what struck me about it, was if they hadn't used SEM-free for that 300 meters, they would have used cement for that 300 meters. And it just speaks to back to how addicted everybody is to concrete and how great concrete is and how easy to use it is, um, which is great, but it's a problem because it's got cement in it. And there's, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of meters cubed of, of concrete being poured in low-grade applications up and down the country with really zero risk of, of, of catastrophic failure anywhere. I mean, mass fill isn't going to cause a problem if it crumbles a bit. Not that SEM free would crumble, but you don't, you don't have to build a, a 50 story tower with SEM free to save tons and tons and tons and tons of carbon. You can put SEM free now, even though it's not in the official standards, you can put SEM free concrete into all sorts of weird and wonderful low grade applications now and save thousands of tons of carbon in doing so. That's just a huge opportunity that is, I think, rapidly being recognized, but has been missed. Interesting. Very interesting. So I would be rude not to ask. I'm sure listeners would think, well, why hasn't she touched on the financial aspect? How does it mm. compare in, in terms of budgeting for, you know, whatever examples of projects that you've worked with infrastructure or, or otherwise, how does it compare to the traditional there's a couple of things in parallel, really, on that. Um, one is, I, th- I think concrete is actually underpriced for, in the market. And I think if, if, if con- concrete is cement and therefore concrete were priced uh, for value, you'd probably see a different price point at the start at the start of all these conversations. That's a, that's a slightly secondary thing. I suppose cement currently in, in the UK market is priced at, depending on where you're buying it, 120 to 150 pounds a tonne. The price has moved quite a bit in the last couple of years, so it does change rapidly. It was very static for a long time, but um, since since COVID, it did move quite a bit. And Brexit, it did move quite a bit up north. I think it's, it's stabilised now a little bit. That's the that's the cost of cement, uh, not accounting for the cost of the carbon in the cement. Um, and so if you were to apply the logic of carbon credits or carbon trading to that, you would add probably 50 to 80 pounds a tonne to that. And similarly, if you're talking about carbon capture and uh, CCUS, um that's probably got a 40 to 50 pounds a ton price tag on it so so depending on how you want to talk about the price of cement it does it does change a little bit in terms of how you want to recognize that those kinds of issues uh sem free is more expensive than cement in its current price um so the powder on a light flight basis is more expensive than cement usually you would see well it depends on how we deliver it and uh, you can get down to about i'd say 60 percent more expensive um than cement on a ton for ton basis and in some instances, depending on how it's being delivered, it might be 100% more expensive than, than, than cement on a like-for-like basis. So if you take that price point and talk about what that means for a, a product being made with the cement, uh, or therefore a building being made with the products that are being made from that cement, you take the, the increase in cost downstream, if you will, you see that by the time you get to, say, the house that you're building um, with cement blocks and bricks, for example, 
you're 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 barely having an impact on the on the on the cost of the house being built. Like it's you're almost in rounding errors for the for the cost of the house being built. The the cost of the bricks and the blocks could be anywhere from eight percent more expensive uh, using SEM free versus cement to say thirty percent more expensive from using SEM free to cement depending on how, again, how it's delivered and how, how expensive the block is in the first place, what kind of block it is, for example. There are cost uplifts uh, and the powder is like, like is more expensive. But by the time you put it into concrete or a concrete product or a brick or a block or mortar, that price uplift gets washed out quite a lot, quite a bit. So you're in, in the kind of the 10 to 15% price uplift in general. And then by the time you take that block brick or precast element and you put it into a house or a structure, the additional cost for that element within the structural costs is is in rounding errors in terms of what the cost of the building was, so it depends on really how you want to how you want to frame the question. But my answer to that would be it's more expensive, but really for the carbon you're saving, it's worth every penny. Sure, and I think we're now at such a crucial stage that, like I suppose, we'll mention network rail again. What a, you know, what a, what a great example that we spoke about previously. Lots of entities, as you say, people that you've been dealing with, companies that you've been dealing with, that they have the foresight to understand that their brand is really important, uh, that what's happening with the planet, obviously, is massively important. So for how you've calculated it for like a small difference at the end of the whole process, you know, that's that's not meaningful during this time. I would say five years ago, that was a real sore point in conversations. People wouldn't be able to accept that logic. Um, but over the past few years, we've seen a, a huge swing and people now recognize that that it's worth it, that it, that the cost uplift isn't is actually very manageable and that it's worth it's worth doing um, for lots of reasons of, of brand and and um, and that kind of thing. But also just the ethics of it, the, the fundamental need to take carbon out. You know, it's, we have to do it. I mean, you can save 20p if you want, but, you know you're heading towards an iceberg on the titanic and you want to try and change course don't you um, very much so yeah very much so um, yeah yeah great comparison what kind of plans and targets does semfree have over the next 10 to 20 years uh, big ones i would say big ones very exciting <laughs> ones so we're i mean we're still a very small so db group itself is isn't a huge company but semfree is small within it still um uh, we've got about i'd say across the piece about a dozen dozen people working directly for semfree in terms of commercial and and technology and we've got big plans and big ideas to try and to try and grow as fast as possible we've been doing a lot of work in terms of uh, onboarding some very big customers to get those products to market more easily available more widespread so to, for, to help clients make the switch more easily and we're trundling along with that work and i think we're seeing a step change now in in in, in the availability of these products and therefore the the, uh, the growth trajectory of the company so that allows us to grow um, in terms of uh, commercial effort and also in terms of technology and R&D to um, expand on that, the, the the research bit in particular and the R&D as well, and develop even more of those alternate precursors I mentioned earlier. And also the plan is to go, so big growth in the UK, but also big growth internationally. We've been looking at other markets where um, where the uh, the cement usage is high, where the the green agenda is front of mind with government and with construction. And where we can see that the um, the frameworks for, well, the legal frameworks, I suppose, and the kind of the um, standards frameworks are are suitable for uh, alternates like Semfree to be used reasonably widely. And so um, growth in the UK will help fund um, a lot of that international expansion that we've got on, on the books as well. So, yeah, big, big plans, very exciting time, actually. And it's been 
it does, does feel like we've 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 done a lot of really great work um, under the radar here in the UK for for a number of years, and we're about to really go 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 big, go large. That's Tony Sheridan from Semfree talking to Jackie DeBurka. And that's all for this episode of Constructive Voices. Please take a moment to share it with others who may find it interesting. Follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically on your favourite podcast app and rate and review the podcast if you can. You can also listen to the latest episode by saying, Alexa, play Constructive Voices podcast. Here's Constructive Voices. Here's the latest episode. And on our website where there's lots more information too. That's constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something.